As you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to think about, uh, you know, New Year's. And what uh, some people do is set resolutions. And I think, for one, it's a great idea. Uh, I know some people, and I know some of you have even said, well, why bother setting resolutions when we never keep them anyways? Uh, I would argue we set resolutions and we set goals, even if we're not going to reach them anyways, because the Bible does. Uh, The Bible says, be holy. And so if you think, well, we don't set goals because we'll never reach it, then disregard the Scripture. Because the Scripture says, be holy. So if you think, well, I'm never going to be holy, so I may as well not even try. Right? Be perfect, the Bible says. Well, I may as well not even try because I'm never going to be perfect. And the Bible encourages us to set a bar, set a standard, and aim for it. If we don't set a standard, we don't go anywhere. We make no progress with no um, standard set. And so Jonathan Edwards, one of the great uh, awakenings in America was through the, the preaching of God's word through this man, Jonathan Edwards. And he set himself 70 resolutions. Uh, that he had in a year. And he resolved to look over them every single week so that he wouldn't forget them all year long. And one of his resolutions that he set was, I am resolved to never lose one moment of time, but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. He said, I'm resolved to not waste a minute of my life. And, And... Being resolved to do something is not just like, I hope I can do it. It's like saying, I must do it. I am resolved. I I must do this thing. I must not waste one moment of time, Jonathan Edwards said. Uh, You can find Jonathan Edwards, uh, all of his resolutions online. I post them on our church website. Uh, They're so helpful and and so um, well put that you think, man, I... I have failed at resolutions. This man's resolutions, his first one is that whatever he does, that he ought to glorify God. Scripture tells us that. So it's his first resolution. And then every other resolution flows from that. He says, well, I'm going to do this only if it benefits the first. So therefore, when he says, I'm resolved to never lose one moment of time, but to improve it so it's most profitable, he doesn't just mean, what can I gain for myself? He's saying, what can I do in order to glorify God and enjoy Him and then benefit others? That was his first resolution. So I don't know about how you write your resolutions or if you do. I challenge you that you should and we ought to. And so our scripture passage this morning has a warning in it. It has a warning. It says, be careful then how you live, verse 15, not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity or making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We're going to read all Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 17 in order to get the context, to understand where he's coming from when he tells us, be careful how you live. Be careful how you walk. Make good use of time. Why? Why is he challenging us on that? Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1 says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. 
Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For, uh, For of this you can be sure, that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For, uh, for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 15 says, be very careful then. Or it can start by saying, therefore, be careful. It tells us we must be careful because of something, and not just within itself. In the same verse it says, because the days are evil, but it's telling you how you can get wrapped up in that, even as a Christian. Because oftentimes we think, yes, the days are evil out there. So I'm okay in here. I'm safe. I'm comfortable. But he says, here's some things that because they are in existence, you then must be careful. If you want to do this and live this way, be careful. Be very careful. Verse 1 of this chapter starts with this great exhortation. Be imitators of God. Do you want to be like God? Do you want to be Christ-like? Do you want to walk with God and, and be intimate with God and know God? As his dearly loved children. This is the motivation, okay? So that's what's really important, is this is the foundation and the motivation for being very careful and walking very carefully. It's because you want to be imitators of God as his children who are loved. And it says, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. So here's the the motivation. Be an imitator of God. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us. Do you know how Christ has loved you? Sacrificially, whatever the cost. He showed his love to you even to death on a cross. It says, be imitators, therefore, of God. And if that's our hope and that's our desire, we want to be imitators of God. We want to be like God as his children who are loved. We want to live this life of love. Then it shows us some warnings. Be very careful. Here's the warning. If you want to be an imitator of God, you want to walk with God, be warned. Verse 5. I tremble at it. For of this, verse 5 says, you can be sure. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about this. For of this, you can be sure. That no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such such a man as an idolater, 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You can be sure that these people do not have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Be very careful then. Therefore, be very careful because there's people who can get wrapped up in a life and a life of unrepentance in certain sins, and it says, be very careful, because this you can be sure of it, that they will not be with God in eternity. You've got to tremble at that thought. There's no inheritance for them in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So be very careful then. What do we be careful of? Well, it tells us how precisely to be careful in verse 3. It says, but among you there must not even be a hint not even a hint of unrepentant sin. And it lists some. Not even a hint. Don't be okay with subtleties. Don't be okay with just a little bit, as long as it doesn't hurt other people, as long as it doesn't make you feel that bad. Don't be okay with a hint of sin. Because this is improper among God's holy people. Holy people are not satisfied with a hint of sin. That's why it tells them, therefore, to be very careful. So then why this passage as we approach the new year, as we, as we see where we've come from in a year and where we're going, it says in verse 16, make the most of every opportunity or make the best use of your time. So the question as we look back on our year is, have we done that? And as we look forward to the rest of our lives, especially in this next year, are we going to do that? Are we going to make the best use of our time? Taking every opportunity and making the most of it. Not just to live with a bucket list. Not just to say, well, I'm making the most of my life. Live your life now. You know, some people live that way. But what does this mean? This is trying to tell us, if you want to be an imitator of God and walk as a child who is loved and inherit the kingdom of God, you must be very careful. How you use your time matters to God. Therefore, it must matter to you. Do you know the average person spends 500 hours a year eating? Just eating. 500 hours eating. The average person spends 1,000 hours a year watching TV. 1,000 hours. You know how many hours you spend in church? 52 maybe. 1,000 hours spent watching TV, the average person. And that's a low average. That's only three hours a day. Some people watch up to five. 1,000 hours. So it says, make the most of your time. Like, take all those minutes that God has given you. He's given you sight to see and ears to hear and, and breath to breathe and We watch TV. Oh, So that's why Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. If you know that you you are going to die for sure tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock, how are you going to spend the day? Watching TV? I doubt it. I doubt it. You're going to make the most of that time. And so, that's why the psalmist says, Teach us to number our days. Like, help us to remember How fleeting we are. That's why we memorize the verse in November from Psalm 39.4. Or, O Lord, make us know my end. What is the measure of my days? 
Let me know how fleeting I am. Let me know how fleeting I am. Because, and in the next verse, we didn't memorize. Verse 5 says, Behold, you have made my days but a few, a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Huh. Life is over. So therefore, we ought to number our days. We ought to consider how short this life really is. How much time we really do have. There's a new trend, which I think is great. And it's for parents to like, have two jars. One with, it used to be pennies, but now it's got to be nickels. Where you would think of all the hours you get to invest in your child. And every day goes by, you put a penny in the other jar. And you realize by the time 20 years is gone, you've had your key investment time. How quickly that time goes. And you see, whoa, time's half over and I've wasted it. I've not invested in my child. I've not done anything of real value for them. And so, in the same way, we ought to consider our lives. And we think, okay, the average lifespan, where am I in that scale? And have I wasted it? And am I going to waste what's next? Or am I just going to watch another hour of television? You've got to be very careful because God uh, cares how we use our time. Therefore, we ought to care how we use our time. I'm not saying we stop sleeping because that takes up a third of our life. Or we stop eating. What I am saying is that we must redeem the time where we can. For example, a thousand hours watching TV could be spent reading a Bible. You know how many times you could read through the Bible in a year? Fourteen. If you spent the same amount of time. It only takes 72 hours to read through a whole Bible. You could read through the Bible 14 times if you did it three, t- three hours a day. You may not do that. But could you do half an hour? Right? Or, or for example, you could only spend, if you spent 15 minutes a day, you could pray 92 hours this year. Only 15 minutes. You could pray 92 hours. Devoting the time that most people would spend reading the newspaper for 15 minutes, you could spend praying 15 minutes. Or the 500 hours that we spend eating meals, we're not going to just stop that. But what you could do is redeem that time. During that time, you could read, if you're able to do that. You could listen to sermons or, or Bible studies. Or you could spend that time discipling another believer. Don't eat alone. Eat with someone else and talk about things of the Lord, things that encourage you, scriptures you've been challenged by. Redeem those 500 hours. Could you imagine if all 500 of those hours were spent pouring into your soul? How You only get 52 hours in church. If you've got 500 hours of intentional pour-in time, it would be incredible growth in, in and of yourself. How many of you budget your money, but yet don't budget your time? You know, Time is much more important than money. We need to start doing this better, not only because it's wise, but because this tells us to. And it gives us a reason and a motivation. If you want to be an imitator of God, you want to realize God's love for you, you want to live that life of love, and you want to walk as a wise person and not as a fool, and you ought to budget your time, make the best use of your time. The heart of it, remember, is this love of Christ for you and your love towards Christ in response. You're living and walking with Him. Understand this, I, I often don't make good use of my time, and I know that about myself. And so, every 15 minutes, I write down what I've done. And then you realize very quickly how easy it is to waste 15 minutes. think, I've done really nothing of any value to write down in 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes, during my work week, I write down what I've done. 
um, because I don't want to waste time. I don't want to get to the end of the day and go, whoa, I did nothing. I know that about myself. I know my weakness, that I'm very prone to just quickly, oh, just read the newspaper. Oh, there goes 15 minutes of my life that was wasted. And so I know that my weakness, and so I want to redeem that time. So this passage particularly is convicting to me, challenging for me. It's a a much-needed reminder and rebuke at the end of a year to think, what am I going to do next year? How am I going to spend my time and my life next year? It's a matter of being a, a wise or a fool. It really is. None of us wants to be a fool, but it says, be very careful then, verse 15, how you live, not as unwise... But as wise. And then verse 17 says, you're a fool if you don't consider how you live. If you don't make the best of your time, you're a fool. God has given you this thing. What do you do with it? So be very careful. We don't want to walk as fools through this life. You don't want to get to the end of a year, evaluate your life and go, that was foolish. Or I spent the most of my time in foolish activities. And things that did not glorify God, it didn't actually benefit me or others, I've wasted it. Let's not be fools come end of 2019. Even if, okay, even if you have been a fool this year, if you've realized you've wasted so much time this year, you've done nothing of value this year, there's tomorrow. There's tomorrow. You may not have the rest of tomorrow. We don't know how long our time is, but you can make the best use of what you have looking back going, I don't want to do that again. What a fool is, is a person who looks back, sees a mistake they've made, and walks right into it again. That's a fool. So if you look back and you say, yeah, you know what, I have wasted a lot of time here or there, or here's a time where I could actually set apart my day to make good use of it, you would be a fool if tomorrow you lived the same that you did yesterday. You'd be a fool, and I would be a fool. Let's not be fools. That's why the Bible tells us, be very careful. You know how easy it is to just get into a slump? You just get used to doing the same old thing? Let's not be fools. Let's not do the same old thing that we did yesterday. Let's do something for God's glory tomorrow, for our benefit and for the benefit of others tomorrow. It's intentional. It doesn't just happen. People don't get wise just living life and coasting, not thinking and considering. You don't get wise that way. You stay a fool that way. So be very careful. This is a warning to us. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16 says, making the most of every opportunity or making the best use of time because the days are evil. Our days and our time that we live in are are so evil. There's so much evil around us that we could just get wrapped up in and make no use of it for God. There's many ways that this can happen. Verse 6 tells us, let no one deceive you with empty words because uh, of such the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partakers with them or partners with them. Let no one deceive you with words. So so therefore, these days are evil. You have to understand that people are are deceptive in what they say and what they promise you. And so be wise in how you filter what people say. Verse 8 tells us that we once walked in darkness, but now we're in the light. Live as children of the light. So so there is a way of darkness, and there is a way of light. How are we 
living. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, when we're talking about the whole armor of God, how we're to, to stand firm, how we're to actually fight the, the spiritual battle that's against us every day, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And when having done all to stand firm. Do you want to stand firm as a Christian? You want to be an imitator of God? You want to walk with God tomorrow? You don't want to be stumbling? We must stand firm, putting on the whole armor of God, because the day's evil. Like, what day was it this week? I was considering something. I was just praying about spiritual warfare. And often thinking, I don't think about this enough. I don't think about the war that's within my own life, the war that's coming from outside into my life, the the influences that are trying to influence my mind instead of the Holy Scriptures. And I realized, like, I don't do battle well in in the spiritual realm because I don't think about it. I just think, well, if I'm safe in this bubble, then I don't have to worry. That's not very wise, and it's not very careful. Be very careful because the days are evil. But there's something you must notice about this point. Oftentimes, when we sense danger, we're more careful. When we sense it. You know, if you see ice on the sidewalk, you're going to walk a little more carefully. Or if you're on the edge of a narrow path, you're going to be a little more careful. You're going to be looking. You're going to be paying attention. You're going to be sensing your balance. Where are you going? When we sense danger, we're a lot more careful. But we're also less careful And we just go about with no sense of anything when we're comfortable. And we're in a well-known environment. When things are easy and the danger is not in our face and it's not nearby. So then when you think about days that are evil, it's not just a circumstance or a moment. It is an era. And it is ever-present. We may walk a bit differently when we're in a certain situation. But do we let our guard down at other times? We let our guard down maybe when we get home. When we are with friends or with family. We let our guards down. We need not worry about ourselves then, right? Wrong. Because the tense of this verse is very important to us. Yes, it says especially, be very careful because the days are evil. So thinking about uh, external evil and what's out there. But it says, be very careful then how you live or how you walk. And it's speaking specifically of our walk with God, our, 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 our faith in God, and our daily living. So then, do you ever stop walking with God? Do you ever stop living the Christian life? Be very careful then how you live and how you walk. Well, if you're not stopping walking, and you're not stopping living with God, then you must be always careful to never let your guard down. And you see, that's where we can fall off the rails. That's where we can get deceived very easily is when we let our guard down. We think, yeah, it's not dangerous right now. I'm comfortable here. Things are okay here. This is cushy. This is easy. There's no immediate danger. I'm letting my guard down. I don't have to be very careful. I don't have to watch where I'm walking or pay close attention. But that's the danger. Our Christian life continues. Therefore, we must always be careful, not just when we sense or feel that things are dangerous, but every day, in every place, and with every person. Because what can happen is we try to separate evil times from what? Good times? Sacred times? No, no. Evil dwells within your heart. Like There is no safe place for you to escape the evil days. There's no safety. Except for in Christ, but still, even now in this moment, you have fleshly desires which are waging war. 
at all times. So we must be very careful. A couple of things that happen if we don't realize this is we can become a Pharisee. You can think, well, no, I'm good. I'm holy. I don't got to watch myself. Look at, I've done everything religious I'm supposed to do. I'm good. Even in the midst of your religious activity, you're praying or you're going to church. The Pharisees, in that very moment, were just heaping sin upon themselves. And their pride and their bitterness and their judgmentalism. They weren't very careful. So that's why Jesus says, um, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware. It is such a small and subtle little thing for you to become religious and think you're safe. Beware. Don't think because you're religious that you're safe and you don't have to be careful. You do have to be careful. Don't become a Pharisee. Second thing is, if you're not careful at all times, you can become devoured. You can be devoured. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be watchful. He wants to devour you when you least expect it. When you got your guard down, he wants to devour you. We can become a Pharisee, we can become devoured, and we could become a fool. Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. And here's the solution. Here's how oftentimes when we've let our guard down and when we are weak and we are unable to see the danger before us, that's why community is so important. Here's why. Because it says, um, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Did you hear that? Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today. Not just when things feel harder or, or things seem difficult. No, no, every day, as long as it's called today, exhort one another, encourage one another, challenge one another, show one another where there's deceitfulness, where there's a lie behind money, where there's a lie behind relationship advice over here, where there's a lie, because we don't want to be hardened by the deceitfulness, the lie of sin. That's why we need to live in community, in openness, in honesty, in vulnerability with other people who have the Spirit of God, who have the Word of God, to say, let me exhort you, let me just show you you ought to be careful. You ought to not walk that way. You might be heading towards this. You don't want to be greedy. Why? Be very careful because such people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we warn each other. We fear and we're trembling. We, we warn each other. We don't want to be fools. Thinking we can do this on our own. Thinking we can let our guard down. No, if you're doing it on your own, you're not going to see a lie. If you're doing it on your own and you let your guard down, you're going to be devoured by the devil. If you think you can do it on your own, you're going to be a Pharisee. And all three people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So therefore, it says in verse 17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand the Lord's will. How much time and prayer have you spent this past year Seeking the Lord's will. What do you want with me, God? 
How am I to live in this circumstance? How am I to respond in this circumstance? How much am I supposed to sacrifice for you of my time, of my money, of my stuff? How much of me do you want? Where do you want me to be? How am I to please you in all that I do? How much time have we devoted to submitting ourselves to the Lord's will? It's interesting because Scripture tells us how we can do it on a regular basis. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks, listen, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's His will. If you want to say, am I going to do something that's pleasing to God? Give thanks. When things seem easy, when things are most difficult, give thanks. That's God's will for you. You want to please God. Secondly, in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Have you spent much time thinking about how God wants to sanctify you and purify you and, and cut out old things and, and put in new things that are more like Him? You want to be an imitator of God, a child who is loved? Realize that He wants to do this in you. He wants to make you more like Himself. He wants to see you reflect His glory better. He wants to see that in, in each other. This is God's will for you, your sanctification, your purification. And then Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. So be transformed. So we ought to be very careful. It says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The only way to seek his will is in, in his word. And it's interesting the way some people say, well, this is God's will for me, or God's will over here, not for me. How do we discern that? Well, we discern it solely from the scripture. Will this please God? And the Bible must affirm this is going to please God or displease God. And secondly, will will others affirm that too? Also having the Holy Spirit of God in them saying, yeah, you know what? You might interpret that this way, but that will never please God. You know, anybody can twist the scripture. But when you have a, a gathering of people who hold by the Spirit of God can help guide you and, and because there's this deceitfulness of sin that you may not be aware of. So we ought to be very careful. Verse 1 again says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. A warning comes to us because He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. So He warns us. as we live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. Do you realize how Christ has loved you? That because of your sin, that he died in your place, not just on a tree, not just on the cross, but standing before God for you as as a sinner, condemned. He, He loved you that much that he's willing to Endure that for you. Do you trust that? And if you realize that love for you, then then you want to live a life of love for him. Not because you think it's going to earn you a better place with God, but because you're just responding out of love. Giving thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will for you. So it says you want to be an imitator of God as his loved child. Therefore, verse 15 says, be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you walk. Make the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand 
what the Lord's will is. May you and I, may each of us be very careful then how we walk tomorrow, that we would not be fools repeating the same thing that we did yesterday if it doesn't please God and if, it, if it's not more God-glorifying than it was a year ago. Let's not be fools. Let's not be uh, solo uh, rangers thinking we can do this thing on our own. Let's not think that we're so religious that we can let our guard down. Be very careful how you walk. Be very careful. Let's pray. God who made us, who sustains us, God, you know all things, you know our hearts, you know how we have wasted moments, how we've wasted hours, how we've wasted years. Forgive us, O oh God, for being poor stewards of all that you've given us, for using our eyes to look on things that do not please you, for using our ears to listen and our mouths to say things that are not pleasing to you. God, we've wasted those resources you've given us at times. We've wasted the times and the moments. We've wasted minutes with our children, with our neighbor. God, we've wasted time. So we need you to forgive us because it is time that you've granted us to be used for your good, your glory, and the benefit of others. Forgive us. And God, we are so thankful that your scripture does tell us that in Christ, that if we ask that you will forgive us and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So God, help us to not walk with a guilt complex tomorrow that we would think how guilty we are for wasting time, but instead, with that sense and with that conviction, that we would not waste another moment. Let us be resolved to make the best use of time for your glory. God, we want to do this. We want to be very careful how we walk. We want to be wise. We want to be God-glorifying in all that we do, and so we need your help. Would you teach us your will? Would you help us to be people who love your word and in your word that you would show us what pleases you and what displeases you, God, so that we might live a better life for your glory. Help us to be very careful. We thank you that you love us, to warn us in this way, to give us reminders in this way, to give us others, to encourage us and to exhort us and to help us in this way, to be very careful. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.